Hey guys, my name's James. Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast. This week's episode is sponsored by makemymortgage.co.uk. They're a UK-based mortgage advice and brokering service that have a great reputation for getting people on the ladder, remortgaging, buy-to-lets, and much more. Go check them out by going to makemymortgage.co.uk forward slash podcast. Now let's get into today's show. Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast. I'm your host, James Woodham. And I'm your co-host, Juliet. Juliet has a decade of architectural experience in the US. And James has completed over 250 home renovations in the UK. Together, James and I have over 35 years experience designing and building homes. This podcast was created to give you, the homeowner, the power and the knowledge to get your project done right, on time, and with quality workmanship. We've been going for just over a year now, and we have over 50 episodes for you to listen and absorb all the information from key experts in the industry. That's right. We've spoken to industry leaders, builders, architects, and the best part of what we do is hear from you, the homeowner, what went right and what went wrong. We really hope you like listening to this podcast. And if you do, please leave us a review. Reviews expose us to more listeners, which in turn means we can help more homeowners save money and avoid the chance of things going wrong. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Property Renovation Podcast. My name is James, and um, I just want to say it's really good to be back. It was nice to have a little bit of a break over the six weeks holidays um, and uh, take my kids to to uh, another country and um, just to get a bit of a tan, really, and uh, have a little bit of a break. Give um, uh, some some room uh, in in the in the mind to figure out where we're going to take the podcast now, uh, what kind of people we're going to get on there, how we can make it more interesting uh but guys you really will help us if you'd be able to just send us an email or message us on uh twitter instagram wherever we are and just let us know uh what you want to hear uh on the podcast that would be really 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 helpful but listen i i hope you really had a nice break yourself uh maybe you got a lot of things done at home um so that your partner can stop nagging at you and maybe uh or maybe you just went on holiday and uh you had a really nice time with your family um but uh, everyone is back now and uh we we're, we're getting on towards the end of the year and up to christmas so super super exciting um and we've got many many episodes uh to come um on the on the podcast in the next coming weeks but i just wanted to mention about this episode so i actually interviewed paul benson he's from b W Consulting. Um, I did actually uh, interview him whilst on holiday, um, so the connection isn't great. It's not. Uh, it's not amazing, but uh, nevertheless, it was. It was very difficult to pin him down. Anyway, he's very busy. Um, but I wanted to um, get him on, and I wanted to put this podcast out at the beginning of um, coming back now because it's super, super important. Um, Contracts. Having a contract with your building company is one of the most important things and one of the first things you should be thinking about. And um, I spoke to Paul and we had a really good chat about what things need to be in a contract, how they can protect you and uh, what you need to do if they're not in the contract, what you need to speak to your builder about. Uh, just so that you are protected. And so it's a fair playing ground uh, for both you and the builder. So um, I won't keep you any more. Um, go listen to the episode. I hope it's a great one for you. And uh, if you want, if you can, please leave us a review. More reviews, get us more exposed. We can help more people. And um, yeah, 
that's it. Enough said. Uh, enjoy the episode. I'm glad to be back and um, look forward to doing more episodes for you in the future. Thank you very much. Okay, and welcome to this episode of the Property Renovation Podcast. On this occasion, I've got uh, Paul Benson. He is from BWL Consulting. He's got a law degree. Uh, he's got a degree in English law, and uh, I thought it would be a really good um, opportunity to get him on um, having contracts uh, with building regulations and building uh, a home renovation is uh, one of the most important things, I think. So, um, uh, Paul, welcome. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, first, just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the pro- profession of law. Sure. Um, so I think it was through my grandfather, who was a, a lawyer before me, um, and uh, following in his footsteps a little bit, um, was quite keen on on practicing law in, in the commercial space when I was still at school. Um, so um, fairly easy options, a career for me to follow. And then um, after graduating, I moved overseas to um, Australia and undertook postgraduate studies, um, again in law, uh, before entering into practice with a, one of the big international law firms. Um, and from there, my career has taken me uh, mostly through uh, in-house counsel roles with large corporations, both in Australia and, and Asia. Um, okay before settling back in the UK um, a couple of years ago. Great. Okay, good. Um, So today I've got you on it because I thought that it would be um, a good discussion around building contracts um, and the law within building work. Um, It's a hot topic. Uh, A lot of people um, fail to have contracts, get in all sorts of trouble. Uh, So I thought it'd be great to have you on. Um, It is, I'm sure, one of the first things that anyone goes through a homeowner's mind as to whether they're going to be protected. Are they going to lose their money? Are they going to have the right person doing the job? So um, with, with that said, I just thought I'll go straight into the questions, really. Um, what types of home renovation projects do you believe need protecting with a contract? Um, quite a simple answer to this one, James. Um, everybody should have a contract in place. Uh, when they're having um, home renovations undertaken. Mm. Um, simple reason for it is that the the contract will set out both the homeowner's rights and obligations as well as the builder's. Mm. And um, it's the only document through which you're going to have evidence of what you wanted doing, for what price, and at what risk profile you were willing to accept at the time. Um, so, you know, contracts do not necessarily have to be written, but the, the challenge of them not being written, uh, if it was to be challenged in the court, uh, is obviously much more uh, troublesome. So um, the easiest thing to do is make sure that every time you undertake a project, have it in writing. Um, if necessary, use one of the standard form contracts. You don't have to go and spend a lot of money on having a bespoke contract drafted. There are standard form contracts available. You can access them online in bookshops, um, but essentially protecting yourself is pivotal at all times. Okay. And so I've probably heard quite a few times, if someone um, agrees to a quotation from a building company, 
and uh, then by agreeing to it, they pay a deposit through their bank or whatever method of payment. Are they not entering into a contract with that building company just purely by making that payment? Yes, it's possible. Um, To to form a contract, you have to um, pass through several legal hoops, shall we call them. Um, So there needs to be um, the constituent parts from a legal perspective that that will form a contract. So you've got uh, what we would call the invitation to treat. So that's the homeowner asking for the quotation. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll have the offer, which is the quote from the building company. And then you have acceptance. Now, acceptance can be by doing something, okay? So um, paying the money is potentially going to be the acceptance step. Um, And at the same time, the money would be also the consideration element of forming the contract. Um, So, um, you know, by paying the money, you've you've sort of accepted the quote, You've, you've given consideration for the work that's undertaken. The next step is, have you intended to create a legal contract between you and the builder? Um, now, at the, at the stage of paying the deposit, it would, be, it would be perhaps troublesome to kind of argue that you weren't intending to create that legal relationship. Otherwise, why did you put the money into their bank account? Um, sure. So, uh, yes, um, difficulties arise once you've handed over the money. Um, mm. And, of course, by that stage, what was the quote? What was in the quote? What, what form did the quote from the builder take? Was it simply a page of A4 that said, we will provide you a, a new, uh, an extended kitchen, a new bathroom, and a new bedroom on the upstairs? Um, and that's it? Or was it? Um, here is our quote. Our quote has terms and conditions of contract behind it and on payment um, of the of the deposit, you've accepted those terms and conditions. Um, so that's, you know, you're, you're starting to satisfy those elements of contract law. Okay. Having said that, within the homeowner context, um, i.e. not a business-to-business contract, but a consumer, so you or me, James, who's having our family home extended, yeah. Um, we do have protection um, by virtue of legislation. So um, there are rights that we have as individuals that are drafted into legislation. So the Consumer Rights Act 2015 and the Consumer Contracts Regulations in 2013 give um, individuals protection in certain circumstances. One of the key elements of the protection is that you have a 14-day cancellation window. So if you have decided to proceed with a particular builder and before they actually commence the work, um, within the 14-day window you get nervous or you decide not to go with that particular builder, you can cancel your contract. And that is written into statute. So there is an element of protection there in the event you change your mind. Um, and if you don't change your mind, well, you know, let's hope you don't have the contract in place that we're discussing today. Okay, so um, it's a very good point that you mentioned about this 14 days um, kind of uh, p- period that is really, really important, I think. Um, but let's just take the typical homeowner. Um, they start thinking about um, a bathroom 
uh, about a month before they want it to, uh, to have it done. Uh, they find a building company, uh, but then they hire the building company or they find a building company to do the work. And then um, it's like they, they've got to get them in quick. Um, they pay the deposit and then they already start almost the next day kind of thing. Um, should we be telling homeowners that they should like pay the deposit um, f- at least 14 days before the project so that you get some time to think about it a bit more before um, falling into within the, f- the 14th day period? Um, yeah, so in, in that case, where you've paid the deposit and then within the 14-day window you change your mind, yeah. Um, you would get your deposit back minus any reasonable administrative costs that the bill okay. is incurred. Okay. Um, so um, you, you would potentially lose, depending on what they've done in the mm. intervening period, you might lose a few hundred pounds out of X thousand if, you, if that's the quantum that we're talking about. Sure. Um, yeah. Because I'm thinking of the typical scenario where you would up to the running point before they start, they all they the building company looks great. You've paid the deposit, they start work, and then all of a sudden on day one or day two, you find that they're really not uh, living up to what they were supposed to be, and you 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 want to get out of it very quickly before they start taking everything out of your home. <laughs> okay. First point of call is going to be the terms and conditions of the contract. And that's why having the written contract between you and the builder is so important. Um, If you have to get into a debate um, with the builder over the quality of their work or the reasons why you wish to terminate without the wording of a contract to rely upon, Mm -hmm. you're going to find yourself in a stressful situation. So alleviate the stress initially by having the written contract and making sure that the termination clause is in your favor or at least balanced. You know, if, if, if you, if you expect them to turn up at 8am and work till 4pm and they're not turning up till 1030 and they're working till two, well, clearly there's an issue. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that, that's really the first point of call. Okay. I would go probably one step further and just ask the homeowner to, um, make a diary of, Absolutely. of what times they're arriving and what times they're going home. Okay, good. I, I um, go one step further than that, James. You know, sure. um, we, we, we constantly have dialogue with, with our business clients who are working on, on large construction projects. Hmm. And, you know, when, where disputes arise, one of the first questions is, did you take notes of what activities took place on the site during the week? Mm. did you keep a record a written record of those notes and, and keep yeah. them somewhere safe yeah. did you take photographs um there's nothing better than having photographs of things so you know if it's stripping out a, a room and it's literally left with wires hanging out of walls and all sorts and no termination to cables and mm. um, take the pictures keep yeah. them log them date them um, that's, that's what lawyers need when it comes to putting cases together for, uh, the things that don't quite work out to plan. Okay, great. So we've spoken a few, um, we've spoken about like how important it is to have a contract, but other than, um, what you've already said, why is it important to have a contract with your builder 
or your building company? Are there any other reasons why, do you think? Um, not really. No. It, ultimately, the terms and conditions in writing. So I think, James, what we should really say is that the contract is um, more than just the terms and conditions. Yeah. Okay. Um, the contract is a is a document or a series of documents that together form the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, the terms and conditions, the the clauses that tell you what how how what pay what the payment terms are, the clause that states what insurances the builder must have, um, the clause that states what happens if they injure somebody or they damage your property that's not associated with the actual work taking place. Mm. Yeah. That's just one constituent part of the overall contract. Um, the rest of the contract needs to be the breakdown of the price what, and, and, and the total price that you're paying and on what basis are you paying the price. The scope of work, you know, the drawings from your architect or your, or your designer, um, they, they collectively are the contract. And the terms and conditions component is merely the rules by which you and the builder will play together, essentially. Yeah. Um, and they will govern the good and the bad of being in construction. Um, so, so that's really um, sort of the, the response to that question, James. Okay. Um, I think one important thing, though, is that people – I don't think everyone reads a contract. It can be sometimes quite long, and I think it's always beneficial – um, to have some time um, just to put aside and read through the entire contract and terms and conditions just so that you are fully prepared uh, for what you're about to enter into. Absolutely. And, and of course, it, it, it also depends on what role you're taking within the project. Mm. Uh, are you going for the grand designs approach of being the QS, the project manager, the financier, um, all rolled into one? Mm-hmm. Um, are you simply sitting back and letting an architect or um, a quantity surveying firm uh, act on your behalf to make sure the work's getting done appropriately? Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, irrespective of the engagement of third parties, you ultimately are paying for someone to come and um, amend, alter uh, your your house. Yeah. Um, if you are entering into it with any, you know slight grayness or, or dark patches in your knowledge and understanding of what's going on, then sit down, read the contract or seek help. Um, get advice. It's worth spending a little bit of money up front to totally understand what's going on mm-hmm. um, compared to the thousands it will cost you when it's gone wrong. Um, and, and that's really key. So in, invest uh, before having to pay out in a, in a way. So invest in Absolutely. what you need to do. Good. Okay, um, so we've already spoken about like the things that need to be within a contract. So, if a builder, uh, if a building company or a builder does not have a contract, what should the customer do um, if they're thinking about hiring them? So, they really like them, they really want them to do, they really want them to do the work, but they've got no contract. Mm-hmm. Um, speak to your architect. Mm-hmm. Um, ask a solicitor. Ask a consulting firm like ours, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or worst case scenario is that you visit WH Smith and find a building contract and start filling it out. Um, you know, 
that there's multiple avenues to getting a written contract in place to protect you. Um, okay. the, 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 the real crux of this, though, is to what extent do you want the protection? And, you know, if someone was going to bash my house around, I'd be probably wanting a, a very robust contract in place. Sure. I'd want the right kind of contract in place. And if I wasn't in the profession I am, I'd be definitely seeking external help on making sure the right kind of contract's in place. Um, you know, you might still go to the bookshop and you might pick up the Reba contract or the JCT contract for small yeah. words. Yeah. But when you take it home, you sit down and you start looking at what you need to fill out. Do you understand what you're filling out? And if you don't, ask for help. Okay, good. Um, so drafting up a contract, uh, you've already mentioned they could go to WHMS. So um, by saying that, clients can actually fill out a contract themselves um, and they can get the building company to sign it. Architects can uh, generate a contract as well. They can go online, JCT, uh, yeah. download the formal REBA. Um, yeah. So that's good. Okay. So let's talk about um, uh, your actual work as well. So from the list of cases that you've probably worked on a, quite a few, can you tell us a typical scenario of a homeowner being found in a sticky situation, you know, just a, an awkward situation where they need to, and you've had to provide help? Yeah, it's, it's normally around one of two things, time and quality. Mm -hmm. And more often than not in the, in the consumer space, time is not so critical. Um, Obviously, if you've got all your bedrooms out of action for 12 months and it should only be six, it, it becomes so. But normally, it's about the, the, finished, um, the finished look and feel of what you've had done. You mm. know, are the tiles square? Is the grouse in between the tiles? Are the kitchen cupboards hanging correctly? Are they hanging off, etc.? It, it's more about quality issues. And, and then it's really about, well, if you've got a contract, do you have in your contract a period of time, which we call the defects liability period? Do you have this period of time where you can call the builder and for no extra charge, they have to come and remedy the little defects that are within your build? Hmm. Um, and many of the problems arise whereby there's no contract in place and the works are done. The owner of the home is not very happy with the end result. And it's a question of, well, what do we do next? And, um, you know, we've all seen it on television where we've had the, 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 the shonky builder do the, the bad job and they get the, the guy knocking on their door on the TV. Sure. Um, you don't want to be in that position. Um, sometimes it's unavoidable. But, um, you know, if they're a legitimate building company who – you know, live and breathe by their own reputations, they should be keen to come and fix the defects. And if you are, again, able to point out to them a clause which says for a period of three, six, or 12 months, hmm. minor defects must be remedied by the builder, then you should be able to convince them to come back and make good those defects. Um, and if you can't, a letter from your solicitor will normally wake them up sufficiently to uh, get those defects remedied. Hey guys, it's James. Getting on the property ladder these days can be really, really tough. And with all of the advice on the internet, how can you be sure that you're getting the right advice? 
The guys at MakeMyMortgage.co.uk are super amazing. They're friendly and they offer down-to-earth advice. But most important, they offer a wide range of lending options. So if you're planning to buy your first home, buy to let, or just flip a property, MakeMyMortgage.co.uk are the ones for you. For your free consultation, go to MakeMyMortgage.co.uk forward slash podcast. Now let's get back to today's show. What's, what is an acceptable time, do you think, if you have got defects? And um, what's an acceptable time for the building company to come around and remedy them? Most common is six and 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so one or the other. Um, no, I mean, and, more, I mean more like if you notify them uh, that, that there are defects or you know, there, yeah. there's cracks starting to appear, how long should, should you be giving them? to get round and address that? Is it like 30 days or something like that? Yeah. Again, um, some contracts will will state that um, notification of a remedy, uh, notification of a defect, the remedy of that defect must take a place or the commencement of the remedy must uh, have taken place within seven days. Okay. Um, Because... Depending on what the defect is, there might be a need to get some materials, um, you know, put the work into the diary. If you said it must be done within 24 hours, it's a little bit extreme. But seven-day period for, for starting to remedy the defect is, is reasonable. Okay, that's good. Okay, um, so if a homeowner finds themselves at loggerheads with a building company, maybe an argument over acceptance, the type of quality. Uh, there's got, you've got the building company thinking... The homeowner is over-exaggerating in terms of what to expect, um, and the homeowner is just not believing the building company and thinking you should be delivering more uh, better quality work than what you are for me now. So what, what, what would you advise to do in that situation? Okay. Um, again, it's, it's going back to the contract. Yeah. Um, having a contract, and then it's avenues – um, where you can get advice in relation to that contract. So um, solicitor is very obvious, uh, but probably the most costly avenue. Mm. Um, citizens, citizens Advice Bureau may have a, a legal drop-in um, uh, time okay. where a local solicitor's firm is giving uh, free advice to, to, to individuals. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can you can ask the some, some of the consultants like ourselves or some of the quantity surveying surveying consultants. Um, you can access barristers. Um, there are now barristers who are who have what's called public access rights. Okay. Um, so they're now published on the bar um, website, and and you can look them up. Um, and and you could possibly go to to some of the builders federations. So. Um, you know, there are avenues available for mums and dads, uh, individuals who are, uh, who are having works and who have, uh, are having issues with the builder. Um, okay. but the worst thing is that you sit there and simmer with your issue. Um, yeah. you know, that's, that's possibly the worst thing that can occur to be proactive, um, go out, seek out the advice um, it's not going to cost the earth. There are cost-effective avenues to, to get the right advice. 
and it will just give you the peace of mind. Okay, good. I would probably uh, just add a little bit by saying that uh, if you're not happy with the quality of work and rather than, you know, argue face-to-face in, in your house, um, just advise the building company to pause works for now whilst you just take a little bit of a breather and uh, get some uh, other advice before continuing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's a good call. And, um, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are scared of the confrontation. So yeah, it's thinking about ways to to avoid that face-to-face confrontation with somebody who you don't know very well. And a lot of people are, are intimidated by confrontation. So it's just finding yeah. avenues to remove that, that element. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a difficult one, I think, because you, uh, you have got um, – you know, a, a typical convers- a conversation over a cup of tea can really solve problems sometimes. And um, but at, at the same time, anything said um, is not down in writing. So, sure. it, uh, <laughs> I mean, catch twenty two. If the debate is over a shade of wallpaper or paint, mm. um, you, you, you're not going to run off to your solicitor. No, uh, and you, you're hoping that a digestive chocolate digestive biscuit and a cup of tea is going to resolve the problem. Yeah. Um, Obviously, if you're talking about being out of pocket thousands of pounds, well, then you have really no option but to, to see no, exactly on the issue. Okay. All right. Um, my next question really is about um, companies that do have a contract, um, mm-hmm. but maybe um, they've, they've, let's just go through the process of um, uh, dealing with a potential lead for a, for a, for a project and You've got the client that's interested. They've got the round. You've you've quoted up the project. They're happy with the cost, and then all of a sudden, the building company sends out their contract for the client to sign, and then all of a sudden gets a cancellation. And um, I think from from doing my own research, I feel sometimes that it's about homeowners um, being given a contract that they're not quite sure of. Where, how it, how it reads, or whether to if they understand it all. So rather than get tied in, they'd rather just cancel and go with someone that's a lot easier to deal with that doesn't have that um, complication with all of the detail in the contract. So what advice can we offer building companies because they might have like a a bible of a contract? Um, what can we offer as advice for them? To the building companies themselves? To the building companies themselves, yeah. Just to simplify things, to make it easier for the homeowner to understand what they're entering into. First of all, the building company needs to comply with the consumer regulations. Okay. Um, The consumer regulations are drafted um, based upon how the sale is actually completed. Okay. So... um, Essentially, what you have are disclosure obligations from the building company to the to the customer, mm-hmm. and depending on how they actually conclude the contract, um, the amount of disclosure increases. So, if the sale is conducted over the telephone only, you'll have more disclosure. You know your telesales kind of yeah. approach. Yeah. If it's actually in someone's home, um, sat down around the kitchen table discussing the contract. Um, then the disclosure level is, is slightly different. Okay. That's step one for the, yeah. for the builder and, and, and making sure that the builder also understands that that right of cancellation exists for 
their customer. Right. Um, because if you're uh, of a bully mentality that you're going to go in, quote, start work next morning, uh, it probably means you haven't appreciated the kind of customer you have. Okay. Um, the next thing to, to consider is if you have a written contract that you're going to perform your building work under, what does it say? In other words, have you had that contract drafted in such a way that it's so one-sided that the court would essentially um, uh, sever um, unfair portions of it from the document and, and give a ruling in favor of the consumer? So, you know, advice to the, to the, to the construction company is you, whilst you're in the job to make profit, you're not in the job to be unreasonably unscrupulous towards the, the, the client commercially. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't put ridiculous clauses in there, which are clearly going to be detrimental to, um, to the customer. For example, um, uh, let's think of an example. Um, You've got sure. to give me 70% upfront. <laughs> yeah, you know, a massive <laughs> deposit before yeah. anything's done. Yeah. Um, or uh, timeframes for payment or for making decisions which are so unreasonably short that it doesn't give anyone time to contemplate things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, making things like defects, like pe- liability periods, one week instead of six months or 12 months, um, excluding liability for things. I mean, there are certain things, i.e., death and injury, you can't exclude liability for at all. But then don't expect your customer to, to say, well, if you damage the rest of my house, um, you only have to pay out £20,000 yeah. if the damage is £100,000. So mm-hmm. just be mindful um, from the builder, builder, builder's perspective, who are you dealing with and how are courts ever going to see this relationship? Um, you know, the courts, realistically, are they going to balance things out a little bit in favour of the, the customer? Probably. Do you really want to be there in the first place? Probably not. Um, yeah. So why, why draft a contract which is so unreasonable in the first place? Um, and we, we, you know, we, we draft contracts for, for construction companies uh, and joiners and plumbers, et cetera, who, who do uh, work for consumers. And mm-hmm. you know, you, we do draft protection in for the builder. We know they need to stay in business, but yeah. it's a balancing act and it's an appreciation of what risk does the builder have in home renovation type work versus um, being a small minnow contractor on a major hospital development down the road? Yeah. Um, you know, they, they need to, you need to look at the job in front of you, appreciate the risk, understand that you're going to be paid and do the job. Okay. Well put. Okay. So um, what is a fair amount of money in a percentage to be held back. So you've got a homeowner that, um, you know, wants to hold some money back until the project's complete. Mm-hmm. You've got it. You obviously got that snagging process, um, mm-hmm. before the job is complete. So what's a, what's a reasonable amount? Would you say? Okay. Well, first of all, if a homeowner is, is alive to the issue of retentions and that's great. Um, <laughs> because, because <laughs> the majority will not be aware of it. I, I, I assume. Um, maybe dangerously assuming that, but um, uh, you know, experience would, would suggest. Sure. Um, 
So first of all, understand that you can um, hold retentions against the, the, the builder, which means that each, each month that you have an invoice to pay, you retain a percentage, um, and that percentage is then designed to uh, encourage the builder to uh, be responsive to defects once they've substantially completed the work and the defects liability period begins, you're holding a percentage of the contract sum to encourage them to come back and fix those defects. And once you've got to the end of the defects liability period, you'll pay the builder back the entire amount. Okay. Um, so the, the, the typical percentage is, is 5%, but you can see 25 and you can see 10 um, right. So, but, but five is, is the norm. Uh, and, and again, how you handle the retentions Mm. Um, needs to be uh, in a clause within the contract. Um, and although there is legislation in Parliament at the moment regarding the tensions, the moment we, we still can hold the money and um, the, the homeowner can hold it in their accounts. There's no need to, uh, to put it in a separate account or anything. Um, and uh, yeah, essentially, they, they, you, you pay that money back. Um, uh, on, on when the builder has substantially completed the works, you pay half the retention back. Okay. At the end of the liability period, you pay the other half the retention back. Um, I'm just thinking about a typical scenario uh, type of project this would be. So if someone is having an ex um, a loft extension done um, mm -hmm. and they're having it done in the summer, there's hardly any rain at all. They want to make sure that, um, you know, it's going to be completely watertight. Um, so having that six months um, retention, would you say, like uh, to, to make sure that it is watertight and the, that you're completely 100% satisfied that it is, then you can hand over the money. So a situation like that would be um, idea in saying it like that, would you think? Yeah, although, um, you know, if you were having an attic conversion done and, and it was exposing your home to the elements, mm. um Putting aside um, storms and, and, and rain that we have in the UK um, anyway, um, if you were very conscious of winter coming and heavier rainfall and more frequent rainfall coming and you were worried about it being watertight, you would, one, contractually make your builder liable for, for maintaining the, the integrity of the building. Okay. Um, during the work, that is. During the work. Two, you would give them, um, you know, you would agree up front the, the program, i.e. when is the work going to be substantially complete or the date on which the building will be returned to being watertight uh, with, you know, tiles in, Velux windows in, et cetera. Okay. Um, and, and three, um, think about liquidated damages as a, as a clause um, in case they miss a critical deadline uh, date. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you, you would get, uh, you'd have the ability to charge the builder a, a, an amount per week um, by percentage or, or pound value for them missing a critical deadline um, for, or, for, or for missing the, the completion date. Um, and then, of course, um, you would have your retentions. So, um, you know, the, the retentions in that scenario probably aren't, uh, as useful to you as having an LDs or liquidated damages clause. Okay. Um, but if you were having bathrooms tiled, kitchens built, mm -hmm. um, and um, 
you know, things installed where the quality of the install is paramount, that's where the retention money will be very useful to you um, because the builder will be keen to get the retention money into their bank account and you are keen for your kitchen to be um, spick and span and as you would like it to be. Um, so that's where you need to choose your clauses in your contract carefully around what you're actually having done at home. Okay. Okay, good. So um, last question, really. What are your five top tips for um, any advice to our listeners, homeowners? Okay. Um, number one, always make sure there's agreement in writing. Um, we've gone about that quite a lot during the, this session. Sure. Um, but there's no understating the fact that a written contract uh, is, is, is an absolute prerequisite. Um, number two, making sure that the contract has the, the terms and conditions in it, uh, like the ones we've spoken about today. You know, how is payment going to be um, made? What do we do about defects? What do we do about meeting deadlines for completion? Um, and what do we do if we fall out with each other? Um, so, you know, there, there are probably about a dozen clauses which every contract should have in them, um, and, and you need to make sure that they're in. Okay. The third, top, the third sort of top five piece of advice would be um, to make sure that um, you avoid, as far as possible, ambiguity in, in what is being done. So now we're not talking about the, the term additions, now we're talking about the scope of work. So... A poorly drafted scope of work will enable a builder to have some legal room about what it is they're actually expected to do for the amount of money they're going to get paid. Um, so having your scope of work you know, detailed enough, um, clear enough, um, it's really important. Um, next next uh, top tip. Um, Make sure that your building contractor has policies of insurance to cover them in the event something goes wrong. So we're talking about public liability, we're talking about employer's liability, um, and depending on the size of your, your works, um, consider having a, a requirement for contractors or risk policy, um, which is uh, a policy which will cover uh, the value of the work being undertaken in the event of uh, damage to that, to to the works as they as they're completed. Okay. Um, and my last top tip, um, probably seek advice. Um, don't be the person who ends up on the TV program. I think is a top tip. Um, be the person who allocates some budget to getting the documentation done correctly in advance of the work starting. Um, don't be the person who allocates all of their budget to the build and then when it's all gone wrong, needs to borrow more money to take them to court, take the build to court. Um, it's, it's a worthwhile investment to get the documentation done properly up front. Okay. Cool. Thank you very much. So where people, where can people find out more about you? Could you uh, share your website and other contact details? Absolutely. 
Um, our website address is www.bwlconsulting.co.uk. Okay. And our phone number is zero three 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 four threes five eight three six zero three. Um, and yeah, we uh, we're there on on Google and. Um, People can, can, can send us emails to, uh, to the address that's on the website. Fantastic. Paul, thank you very much. I'm sure um, that is very beneficial to a lot of our listeners. Um, and uh, we're going to be putting this onto the blog as well. Um, maybe you can help us with a couple of links to some important um, pieces of information as well. Sure, no problem. Fantastic. Okay, lovely speaking with you. Thanks, James. If you're planning a renovation or you're moving into your first new home, then the Akiva Toolkit could be the solution you need. With its easy-to-use package of 10 documents, you are able to manage time, budget, and the communication between your builders and you to ensure the project is complete to satisfaction first time round. The Akiva Toolkit saves you money and time. It's for the first-time renovator and the renovator that wants to do things better the second time round. It's a fraction of the cost compared to paying for mistakes or repeating work that's already done. Go to akivatoolkit.com and get your project off to a perfect start today.